people of the world, this is the most recent episode of the Upper Bowl GM podcast. It is getting late in Thursday night football and the Patriots do not look like they have a prayer against the Rams. I'm going to knock on wood to make sure I don't mush that and make sure the Patriots don't come back. But for all of you listening to this on Friday, we're looking forward to one of the last weekends of college football. And this is going to be a very, very heavy college football episode. As it's been lately on the show, I've gotten a lot of good guests to come talk about their favorite college football team or the school they graduated from. It's produced some pretty interesting conversations. But before we get to the fun part of the episode, got to remind everyone where you can listen to the podcast. You can find this podcast on pretty much every platform on the planet, you know, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, working on Audio Boom. It's on the Amazon podcasting service. If it's not on a streaming service you like to use, please tell me. I'll put the RSS feed on there and you can get there. Okay, now that I've gotten the boring stuff out of the way, it's time to talk ball. For much of this decade, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish have always been a victim of their schedule. As an independent, it's always hard for them to make the playoff or considered seriously. But because they finally joined the ACC and Brian Kelly finally put together a pretty damn good football team, the Fighting Irish have a really good chance at making the playoff. I'll be back on the other side of the drop to uh, play like a champion today. Uyunglele steps up, loads and throws. It's caught. It's pitched backwards, up in the air. It's on the ground, still in Clemson's hands. And now it is down. It is over. And the Irish have knocked off number one Clemson. And with that, how we doing, Maddie? I'm good. How are you? I'm very happy. There's new Taylor Swift music. There's a full slate of football this weekend. Things are looking good for me. Yeah, honestly, um, I feel that. You know, um, not excited for the Bears. But besides that, I'm pretty we'll, good. We'll carve out a few minutes to talk about the Bears. Don't worry, because oh, an important Notre Dame alumni is on the Bears right now. So we, we can talk about Cole later. So Big Cole fan. All right, so we're just going to jump right into the outline I I gave you because, you know, I'm a good producer. I like to put together a show, so my guests know what we're going to talk about. I don't put them on the spot. So we're just going to jump right into it. Tell me about how college football is where you're from, because where I'm from up here in the Northeast, there's no dominant college football team. So there's just stragglers. There's Michigan fans. There's Oregon fans. There's Penn State fans. There's Ohio State fans. Pretty much any team that's relevant, you can find a fan of that team where I am. Oh yeah. Um, so I live in Southeast Kansas, right? Mm-hmm. And um, first of all, Kansas football, nobody cares. <laughs> nobody cares about them. And it's not that, it's really just not that there's anything to care about with them. So they're pretty much out of the picture. Um, where I am, OU football is huge. Mm-hmm. There's more fans than anything. Um, there's like three Notre Dame fans in my town. I think that's just what all that's expected, you know, and there's just not, a, there's just not a lot of fans of the teams I like in my hometown. Mm-hmm. I've always just been like on the outside, just like watching everyone support what's big. <laughs> so was that a conscious decision to be like, I don't want to be like everyone else. I want to pick for a team that's different. Was that a uh, people in my family like this team? How did, how did you pick the uh, golden domes? It's, um, it's definitely because of my dad. So 
to start, just my dad grew up a Cubs fan because he watched them on WGN America when he was a kid. And so that's how he got into Chicago sports. And since South Bend is so close to Chicago and just um, Notre Dame is just really big and popular with Chicago sports fans. So that's pretty much how he got into it. And then as I was growing up, I didn't have a choice, really. No other option for me. And honestly, now I've gotten older, I, I wouldn't want it any other way. So how'd you really get into it? Was there like a random Saturday where you're just walking by and like there's football on and you just kind of caught it? Was it a conscious, your dad was like, we're going to watch the Notre Dame game today? What, how do you remember getting into football? Um, it was definitely my dad. So one thing about my dad is that he used to coach like high school football. Mm-hmm. So I've pretty much always been around football in general. Like I, a lot of my nights when I was younger, like Friday nights, I would be at the high school game. I would get home late because I was waiting on my dad. And then the next day, about 2.30, most days, I would go into the living room with my dad and we would just watch Notre Dame football. But I didn't, I didn't get like too heavily into it until I was about 13. Mm-hmm. Cause that's when I was like starting to get like um, more into social media, obviously. And so I would just um, try to be more connected with the team through Twitter and like talking to other fans through there instead of obviously just the other three Notre Dame fans in my town <laughs> that are all adults. What is your first memory of Notre Dame football? Is it Charlie Weiss? Is it Brian Kelly? What do you remember about the first game that, you can pull to memory um well okay fun or not like a fun story but one thing <laughs> is that this recording of me singing the fight song when I was like three years old so Aww. I kind of remember but um my first real Notre Dame memory was going to South Bend in 2011 this was around the like last of October because the World Series was still going on and so I was in South Bend for game seven of that world series and i watched notre dame play navy that week or that weekend and so i got to look at the campus um i was eight so i don't fully remember the game i just know notre dame won and i just remembered like having such a fun time okay i it makes sense because like you said that it's a way to bond it's an interesting it's a good thing that your dad cared enough to like be like you should, I love this. I know you will love this because your dad knows yeah. you well. It's yeah. one of those things. Are For you sure. like, are you like that with everything where it's like, once you're in it, you're passionate about it. Are you like me where like, once you pick up a new something to be interested in, oh, this consumes my entire life. Um, I'm definitely, I'm definitely the latter. Um, well, I mean, just for example, I've only listened to Taylor Swift for the past six months. That's it. No. Well, okay. I've always, I've always really liked Taylor Swift, but she's, um, she's just been the only thing I've listened to since folklore released. Before that, I listened to the Glee cast every day for about four months. I told you I got good guests. So that's <laughs> that one's really embarrassing. But no, I, I can't like. It's hard for me to focus on a lot of things at once, and. That's one reason why I'm not really into hockey much anymore. So whenever I got into high school, the time hockey season started, I was like so busy and I really couldn't like devote my time to like paying attention to hockey. So I don't really follow it anymore, but I'm hoping to maybe get into it next year when I'm at college. 
and I don't have as many like extracurricular stuff with the school to worry about. We can, we can work on that. We can find you a hockey team. There, there's a lot of us out there who just desperately. Well, I, What'd you well say? I mean, I'm a, I'm a Blackhawks fan. I mean, I, I figured, but okay. Okay. <laughs> it's not like finding a team. It's just, um, it's just like trying to find a, the time to like get into it again. Also, it doesn't help that there's absolutely no market for hockey here. No one yeah. watches hockey. And... So now, now that we've kind of layered the basics and we've kind of talked a little bit about how you got into it, just what kind of fan are you, fan are you in general? Are you the optimist, the pessimist, the realist? How do you view your teams, specifically Notre Dame, because this is the Notre Dame edition of the Upper Bowl GM podcast? Oh, um, I'm very optimistic. You know, um, about obviously about a month ago, going into the Clemson game, a lot of my friends were like, why are you so excited about this? <laughs> it's not going to be good. I was like, guys, you don't know that. You, <laughs> like, I watched this team and I don't know what to really expect out of them sometimes. So I went into it with positive attitude. And obviously they won. So that was exciting. But no, I try to, I try to be upbeat for a lot of my teams. Um, Bears are an exception. I just kind of get <laughs> I think that's just kind of associated with Bears fandom now, especially because of how the last few years have gone, where it's just kind of been one traumatic experience after the other. Well, it's embarrassing, but I had, I was so optimistic about Trubisky, like much longer than I should have, like literally going into the Green Bay game about two weeks ago, I was like, you know, Money Mitch is really going to turn it on tonight. I'm jealous. Money Mitch did not turn it on tonight (laughs) or that night. I wish I could still have that outlook about my teams. I've just I've just been hurt too many times where it's just like, if I keep my expectations low, maybe things won't go awful and I can be pleasantly surprised. Oh yeah. Um, I'm at the point with the Bears that I don't have any expectations for them anymore. Um, if anything, I'm just mad at them for winning all those games because now we're in a terrible position in the draft. So now when it comes to Notre Dame, you basically, as long as you've cared about Notre Dame, Brian Kelly's always been the coach, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't realize this the other day because he did a spot on the Rich Eisen show where they were just going back and forth, whatever, talking about the game going into last week against North Carolina. And mm-hmm. they were talking about how it's already his 11th year there, which I did not realize he's been there that long. Like, oh I'm, yeah, I've watched college football most of my life, but like, in the back of my head, it's like Charlie Weiss left in like 2015, right? 14, 13? I don't know. But when I actually went and looked like doing this research, I forgot how long he's been there, how long it's been since he was the hot coach at Cincinnati being like, wow, I wonder what Power 5 school is going to hire Brian Kelly. And I wonder if he's actually going to work there. And I think it's reasonable to say that he has built a, I don't want to say a sustainable contender because we have to see how it goes from here because they're going to lose a lot of guys because there's a pretty old experienced veteran team but if they can stay in this tier of contender where it's like if everything breaks right for them they can get into the playoff mm-hmm. I think we can firmly say that he's made it he's I don't want to oh. say he's going to be a lifer because you know there are so few lifers in college football with one team but he's pretty close yeah Um, I, yeah, I absolutely don't think that he's 
a lifer for Notre Dame just because teams outgrow leadership, mm-hmm. you know, um, just with times changing and then obviously bringing in new players. Um, there just comes a point where a coach doesn't really like fully resonate with those players anymore. And it's the same for all sports, you know, um, like for example, Joe Madden with the Cubs, um, his time was pretty much up. He wasn't resonating with anybody as well as he did when he first got to Chicago. So that's just my outtake on Brian Kelly. Um, love Brian Kelly, first of all. <laughs> awesome guy. Um, he's definitely done a phenomenal job establishing the Notre Dame team that I have basically grown up watching. I don't know Notre Dame football pretty much without Brian Kelly. Um, let's see, what year did he get here? I don't even remember. 2000 and Oh, that was 0910. Oh, oh, nine, nine. Yeah. Oh, nine, that, ten. Man, how old was I in 09? I was like, I was six in 09. <laughs> God, I am old. This is rough. <laughs> I remember Notre Dame with Brady Quinn and Charlie Weiss. I am that old. So it, it's been a while. Brian Kelly has established himself and put Notre Dame back to, I don't want to say where like traditionally they've been because like Historically, Notre Dame has always been a national title contender up until about like, you know, 2000. And then the landscape of college football dramatically changed. So it's a little more complicated now. But generally speaking, do you think Brian Kelly would go to the NFL or do you think it would be another college football job? If he um, were to move on? Honestly, I see Brian Kelly going to the NFL at some point whenever his time at Notre Dame is said and done. Yeah. Um, I- he strikes me as a guy that will eventually just like want something a little more than coaching football. I mean, Notre Dame's a good gig. That's the oh, kind I, of <laughs> not want to coach Notre Dame, but also like at the same time, who wouldn't want to coach an NFL team? So it's like kind of like whatever, but yeah. So I've always kind of been a little skeptical about Notre Dame, just in the back of my brain, because the two searing memories of Notre Dame this decade are the two times Alabama murdered them. I'm sorry I had to mention it, but it's just, I've always had a little air of skepticism because they play the cushy schedule of an independent. They have like three difficult games. They'll like, they'll play USC. USC is good. Like every three years, they'll play Michigan (laughs) who hasn't been good in a while. And then, we can we can take a few minutes to rag on Michigan because everyone likes to rag on Michigan. <laughs> I hate Michigan. I don't like. Thing is, I don't personally have a reason to like fully hate Michigan. It's just I think Michigan, and I'm like, God. <laughs> I saw I saw a tweet a couple weeks ago that said Bears should think about Jim Harbaugh, and I was like, I was like, no, <laughs> I was like, God, no. <laughs> yeah, that would be rough for you. I know I've mentioned that to a few of my Jet fan friends. I'm like. You know, it would be very Woody Johnson to be like, you know what, we're getting Jim Harbaugh and he's going to be our head coach and he's going to lead us out of this abyss after, you know, Michigan just cratering in the last two and a half, three years. It's all gone wrong since they got screwed at that one in the one game against Ohio State where they spotted JT Barrett with a first down, even though he was clearly chirped. Go ahead. You were about to make a point. Um, Oh, yeah. I don't think I even know who I want the Bears to get, you know. (laughs) It's just, um, which is like thinking which one of you will captain the Titanic the best at this point. The Northwestern head coach is who I keep seeing a lot of. I keep seeing him yeah. a lot. Yeah. 
Um, I was talking to my dad about it the other day. I know he kind of likes him. Um, it would make sense. Other than that, well, he wouldn't really have to move. Mm-hmm. It's a good, exactly. That's the main thing is consistency. Yeah. So now we're going to get to the fun part where you just get to talk about the Notre Dame players in the NFL who are just like, you know, killing it like Chase Claypool and who would be killing it if they, a, they had more opportunities like Cole Komet. So I'm just going to give you the floor. I know. Bask in Chase Claypool for a minute. How awesome he is. Oh, my gosh. Um, first of all, I was such um, – I was really high on the Claypool train for the Bears. That would And he went. So the way it was – which pick was it specifically? The Bears drafted Cole first. Mm-hmm. And then, like, a couple picks later, just with the way that, obviously, um, what like, through trades and stuff, what their draft looked like this past draft season. Um, they got Cole first. Steelers picked Claypool a couple picks later, and I was so upset because the Bears had to, had another pick direct, like right after that, and I was really hoping we could get Claypool. Obviously, that didn't happen. The Steelers had different ideas, but seeing him succeed on the Steelers, it's so refreshing. I love seeing Notre Dame guys do well in the NFL. It's awesome, especially since a lot of people just bash Notre Dame for being overrated all the time, which, I mean, yeah, I get it. I get it, but no, see, <laughs> seeing the guys succeed um, is something I really like. And then on Cole's side, I'm really hoping towards, like, closer towards the end of this season. I mean, we're getting closer to it anyway. We could see him getting like unlocked more and like getting more playing time. It's just hard whenever he doesn't get as often as I think he should. It's one of those things. I don't want him to just rock. It's one of those things that's frustrating because you know that Cole Komet is going to be on the bears for the next several years. You don't know if Jimmy Graham is going to be on the bears next year. So there's an inherent value in just giving Cole a chance. Exactly. Um, and I mean, he's not going to develop just sitting behind Jimmy Graham, who's like a thousand years old, you know? Yeah, definitely. Gosh, not. he's been around. He's been around for so long. He really has. The last thing I wanted to get in on this point was that it's hard to evaluate how guys are going to do in football. Obviously, that's why there are mess ups every single year in the draft. But I always thought Claypool would oh, yeah. be decent go in the NFL just because he was so fast for how big he was that if the right team got him he would succeed and Pittsburgh drafts wide receivers extremely well so going into this year I expected him to be relevant I didn't expect him to be this good he's been extremely dynamic for them in big plays in the jet motions the handoffs to the wide receivers he's been very explosive in a way I didn't think he would be Mm -hmm. right off the bat because it's hard to just make the jump from college to the league. Oh yeah. Um, he's on my fantasy team. And that so helps. I, yeah, for sure. I love it, but no, um, I love watching him kind of from a distance. Obviously I'm not a Steelers fan, but like I said, love seeing him succeed. I think, I think he's awesome. Um, I like his TikToks. He's very funny. <laughs> Those he's are always funny. Funny. Yeah. You know, he's a funny guy. I like one personality and so it, he's one of them. It's helpful when, you know, these aren't just robots. So this is a funny story I heard about Claypool was, so he was, he's from Canada. So 
getting recruited, it mm-hmm. wasn't as straightforward in as it would be for a high school kid in America because I, there's two separate anecdotes that are part of this one story. So part number one, he was getting the usual letters that recruits get in the mail and he went with his pile of letters to his high school football coach in Canada. And on the top of the pile was Notre Dame. And he goes, is, is Notre Dame good at football? And it's just, guy, you, you could Google it. Like the, you've never heard of Notre Dame football. Like I get it, you're in Canada, but like Notre Dame football? No, not once. You weren't flicking Sports Center at any point in your life and you never saw like Brady Quinn or Jimmy Clausen or Golden well, Tate. Well, even as literally like even as a football player, it's like <laughs> you <laughs> like Notre Dame. <laughs> and the other funny part of that story is on his official visit to Notre Dame, he watched Rudy on the plane, on the flight for the first time as a, I got to understand what Notre Dame football's about. So I'm going to watch Rudy and fly to South Bend and maybe commit to go here. And ultimately he did end up going there. Yeah, well, I think Rudy is a really good representation of what Notre Dame football is. <laughs> okay, so this this is a beautiful way to segment to the next part of our breakdown because I have it later on in the order of questions, but we can just start right here in the rapid fire round. Is Rudy a good movie? Best movie of all time. <laughs> okay, you need to lay out a case because amongst non-Notre Dame fans, there's a skepticism of, he was off sides. Come on, this is ridiculous. Make the case that this is actually a good movie. Um, I, I'm not a movie critic, obviously. Um, I have a Letterboxd account, right? And I gave, I gave Super Troopers five out of five stars. And I know that's not a five out of five movie, but I just like it. So honestly, I just really like Rudy. Um, I, it's a feel good movie. Um, obviously it helps being a Notre Dame fan. So I watch it and I like point at places. And I'm like, oh, I've been there when I went to the campus. Um, I just, I really like it. <laughs> I really like Sean Astin. The guy that played Happy in Iron Man is in it. Yeah. What's not to love? What is not to love? How could you be a football fan and hate Rudy? That's what I want to know. Okay, that is a good way to defend Rudy, is that how can you not, how can you love football and not love this movie? That is a good argument to defend Rudy. I can give you that. I- I haven't seen a ton of like great football movies just because I don't haven't I haven't really seen a lot of football movies in general, but it definitely ranks up there with my favorites. Like Remember the Titans, such a classic. Love it. Um, I like the blind side. Nick Saban is in the blind side. He got a whole I, I want to say it was fifty dollars for his 10 seconds in that movie. I want to oh. say is what I read. He just sure did it. Don't need it. He doesn't need sure it, but he doesn't need it's it. It's funny. Yeah. So question number two on this list is, do you prefer them being in the ACC, playing an ACC schedule, or do you think they should go back to being an independent going forward? I want, I've wanted them to join the, I wanted them to just join a conference for the past couple of years because mm-hmm. the basketball team's in a conference. Their other team, their other um, athletic programs are in conferences. So I just don't, I just never understood why the football program couldn't follow that in my opinion um and it makes it 
easier for Notre Dame to not be labeled underrated every year because when you're independent, you get a literal cakewalk schedule. <laughs> so the main reason Notre Dame has been independent for as long as they have is their TV contract with NBC, where if they were yeah. to join a conference, they would get, they would have to get a new, they would have to join the TV, the conference's TV contract. And I understand why they wanted to keep that because, you know, being the marquee game on NBC every Saturday is good, but like oh, yeah. competitive reasons, joining the ACC makes sense. I've always said that Notre Dame should be in the Big Ten because they are a Big Ten school in the way they are in terms of size of class, the way their football program is, you know, the whole rah-rah, the marching band, all that kind of stuff. That That's the Big Ten. I just um, they, I just think they would need to join a conference anyway. Mm. I'm, not too, I'm not too picky. Because <laughs> it's weird because in hockey, they're in the Big Ten, but in basketball, they're in the ACC. So it's a little, <laughs> yeah. Well, the ACC Just, doesn't have hockey, so that's why. Yeah. But Oh, yeah. So, next question. Who is the rival you hate the most? Is it Michigan? Is it USC? <laughs> USC. Okay, I get so every year for the USC game. Um, I missed it. I really missed it this year, but, God, I hate USC. One of my... Another one of my earliest Notre Dame memories is my dad telling me that you can't spell suck without USC, and that has just carried with me for the rest of my life. So, I don't know. You obviously didn't care about football when it happened, but have you gone and watched the entire Bush Push game? No, I haven't. Okay, this is your homework. I am giving you this assignment. You are going to go watch the game. It is on YouTube. It is free. The commercials are edited out. Take the two hours and just bask in your hatred of Notre of USC getting that bullshit over. I've watched that game back a lot because we've been in a pandemic for the last eight months and there's not a lot to do. And YouTube has a lot of college football on it. And yeah. I gravitate back to that game a lot because there's so many guys who went to the league on both teams in that game. Mm -hmm. And it's just ridiculous that USC got away with that in Notre Dame and just I miss that era of college football just I miss Notre Dame wearing the green jerseys that too I, I love the green it's like I get it it doesn't totally match with the gold helmet but like I love the green jerseys just oh yeah for sure um I really I really do like the navy too you know I think navy's a good color navy and gold is such a it's like clean but I love green Green's awesome. <laughs> it's, a, it's iconic. I mean, I have this discussion like once a month arguing with my friends about the best jerseys in college football. And Notre Dame is always in the discussion just because it's so iconic and it hasn't changed in forever. It, it, there's something to be said about tradition and ethos and legacy and all the buzzwords that boomers love, especially in college football, because there are the teams like Oregon who have, you know, an infinite combination of jerseys or there are like what Michigan does where they'll change their helmet every few years from the wings to the solid colors, whatever. You can't mess with the Notre Dame jersey. It's iconic. It's perfect. Yeah. Since you mentioned Oregon, um, I like I do like their jerseys. They're I, nice. Can you tell I like green? I like green a lot. So if you're green, I'm a little more biased towards you. Um. I'm going to KU next year, so it's going to kill me to say this, but I kind of do like K-State's purple. 
I don't mind K-State's jerseys. K-State's purple nice. Um, I like KU's blue jerseys. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. So the last question of this flash round is, who is the Notre Dame player you wish you got to see actually play while they were at Notre Dame? It can be anyone. Ian Book, easily. Like You've seen I- Ian Book. No, I haven't. Not in person. Okay, fair, yeah. fair. Um, no, I have only been to one Notre Dame game, and that was the one I told you I went to in 2000. Um, terrible story, though. I was supposed to go to the Florida State game in 2018. So, obviously, Ian Book was there, and, like, I even had tickets and everything. Well, I'm a theater kid, and I didn't realize that the show was scheduled that weekend, so I could not go. That's tough. Yeah. So, no, I have not seen Ian Book play. Okay, that that's fair. I was gonna say, we we were literally talking the other day, and it was like, I'm gonna miss Ian Book in college, and you were like, you have no idea, bro. I'm gonna miss him even more. And no, like, I, <laughs> I really do love Ian Book. He's, it's complicated to project if he could make the league. I've had seeing, this argument. Go ahead. Him, oh, sorry. Seeing him grow as a player this past season. Like, just this past season alone, I've loved it. I remember watching the first game, and I was, like, real irritated with him. I was like, Ian, you suck. Like, what is this? And, I don't know, I'm just, I've got to be really happy with him. You can see it. He's gotten more confident this year, and it's helped him play a lot better where, in years past, they've been a little more conservative on offense, but they've given him more opportunities to make plays with his legs, to extend plays. design rollouts that kind of thing so I definitely agree with you there that he's progressed a lot in a short period of time oh yeah for sure um I'm really I'm really curious to see how well this will translate um I'm I'm really expecting him to get drafted I mean I really don't I'm sure someone will have to draft him I don't see why he would go undrafted you know but I'm really excited and curious to see how well that can translate into um, an NFL squad. I mean, I think someone will draft him. He probably is a, ta- a t- day two or three guy, but someone will take a flyer on him because, I mean, you know, someone drafted Jake Fromm, and Jake Fromm isn't good. So I think Book, who has decent physical skills, I'd say his one flaw as a quarterback is his arm strength. He doesn't have the strongest arm but he's mobile. He can make things happen a little bit. I think he's got a chance of being, I'd say he's probably a fringe starter to back up and that's fine. That's a lot better than, you know, 99.9% of the human population can do. If he can hang around in the league a while, that'd be pretty good. I won't complain. I think he would benefit a lot from, being drafted like later on and then mm. sitting behind an actual starter yeah and getting to develop a little bit kind of like honestly kind of like jimmy garoppolo and him having to or getting to develop behind tom brady now obviously <laughs> it's going to be hard to pick a quarterback to develop behind that's anything like tom brady unless maybe the bucks draft him who knows so- just for a back I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you an extra question that wasn't on the list. Okay. I know you I know you don't want the Bears to draft him because that'll hurt you too much. 
If you could put Ian Book on any team in the NFL next year, what team would it be? Oh, God, on any team? Yes, any team. And I know you won't put him on the Bears because you don't want to hurt him. It's hard because I would like for him to be there, but at the same time, um, not, I could not handle reading the constant slander that is bound to happen if he was a bear. So it would make me sad <laughs> to read all that. Um, oh, geez, that's a good question. Steelers behind Ben. Steelers behind Ben is a good option, I think. Um, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say Chiefs behind Mahomes. Mahomes just has. <laughs> he's never going to get to play if he's behind Mahomes. He just has so much time left in him, and I just um, <laughs> if Mahomes was older, I would I'd be like, okay, yeah, for sure. But no, Big Ben's up there in age. That's a landing spot. Oh. I mean, the Colts drafted a guy last year, but Easton isn't particularly good. That's a potential one. Another I, one? If he got to develop behind Russell Wilson. Similar playing style where they got to extend plays. They're very athletic, that kind of thing. I could potentially see that in terms of just raw skills and giving him someone to learn from who would actually help him get better. Seattle yeah. would make sense. Pittsburgh would make sense. I think Pittsburgh probably drafts a guy a little earlier than Book would go, but I could see a world in which they take him. <laughs> Another thing help within Pittsburgh is obviously having Claypool there. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Ian knows Chase, and obviously, obviously they played together, so like they just work well together on the field, and so I think that would be a good combination. It always helps to have friends wherever you're going. It helps to have someone you know so you're not showing up totally a stranger to another 55 people who are, you know, you're going to go into a gladiator with for five and a half months and try not to, like, you know, get maimed and try and win a Super Bowl. It helps to have friends. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So Not just, like, going into a program blind. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So we've covered the fun part, and now, it, now it's time to get serious. In a normal year, mm-hmm. what are your expectations for Notre Dame? So I'm going to break it up into two halves because independent versus ACC are two very different things. So we'll start with what do you expect from Notre Dame if they're independent in a normal year? How many um, wins? What kind of bowl game? That kind of thing. Yeah. So when they're independent, I honestly, I guess it really depends on the season. I know I say I'm like an optimist, but like realistically, depending on their schedule when they're independent. Like 10 wins probably a lot of the time. I think that's a good place to put Notre Dame. Um they always get real big games thrown into their schedule. Like for example, Georgia a couple of years ago. You know, I expected to be oh. a loss in what year is that? That was 2019. Yeah, yes. 19 and 18. No, 19 yeah. and I want to say 17. I thought they were two. I think they were two years apart. I'd have to go back and double check. But yeah, I remember that because Jake Fromm's first game was the game at Notre Dame. And then mm-hmm. last year they played each other and it was a really good game that came down to the last possession. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I expect I just expected Notre Dame to lose that game. <laughs> Close, which is something I like. And it's not even me like dogging on Notre Dame and being like, oh, they're going to lose. It's just that Georgia team was good. Yeah, to, that Georgia team was good. To be yeah. fair, they made the SCC championship game. That team last year was pretty good. 
And then, so let's say they stay in the ACC going forward. What would you realistically expect? Second, third in the pecking order, depending on the year? Um, Where Clemson is clearly first, and then it's it's them, UNC, and Miami fighting for that two spot? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Just Clemson being in the conference will always, or at least for the foreseeable future, make it really hard for Notre Dame to be at the top of the ACC. So this makes it, this brings me to a fun question I forgot to ask earlier. Run me through your emotions the day of the Clemson Notre Dame game this year. Tell me about how the watching that game was, how stressful or exciting. Run me through the gambit. There was, first of all, there was so much going on that day. That was the day the election was called. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, just like the first couple minutes, I was watching it. And I was like, this isn't, this is not going to be good. Um, Clemson's or like real early on. And I was like, like, I was like, oh God, this is like, um, it's just, they made it a really good fight. And I know Trevor Lawrence wasn't there. So, I mean, I just don't even like know what to say. Um, obviously I count it as a win because it is a win, but <laughs> I went to school on Monday and everyone was like, Trevor Lawrence wasn't even there. Like, okay. And your point <laughs> like what about it? Clemson played another but, five-star quarterback I, I, I mean I don't know what we're arguing here yeah he's not as good as Trevor Lawrence but, like, back was um yeah just knowing what I know from that game and then obviously going into Saturday I'm really excited well I'm not excited I'm just nervous to see how it will pan out with a Clemson team that has Trevor Lawrence and is at full um, capabilities obviously now that he's from COVID yeah he's good it's it's hard fact that, fact that he's freaking Trevor Lawrence exactly I mean I've said this more than once but like he beat Alabama in the national championship game as an 18 year old true freshman there's not a lot of people yeah. to ever exist who could have potentially who could have done that that that's a really impressive way to like you know I'm Trevor Lawrence. You guys are all going to know me and I'm going to be the first overall pick in three years. And you're going to be talking about it from the time I'm 18 years old. That's, that's a hell of a way to start a legacy. Okay. Sorry. I didn't mean to rain on the parade. I, I, I understand it's daunting to say I'm going to play Clemson in two weeks and hope to make the playoff after playing them. Yeah. Um, terrible news. I work on Saturday. Yep. I work retail. I'm working a good old two to six gonna miss the game i don't know i'll spare you i don't know if i want to record it and then like delete social media for when i get home and then watch it when i come back or i just think i think the suspense will kill me i think i'll go on my break and then i'll i mean on my break i just get on twitter and just see what i've missed and be able to stay away All, all i'm gonna say is this this is the best Notre Dame team maybe of my life because they went into that game and even if Trevor Lawrence was playing when they beat them a couple of weeks ago, they still managed to score 40-something points against a really good defense. Yeah. Granted, they gave up a lot of points, but like, you know, Clemson's going to score points, but mm-hmm. Notre Dame actually has an offense this time around, which they haven't the previous two times they made the playoff or the national championship game back when, you know, there wasn't a playoff. 
Notre Dame actually has an offense now, and they can score points pretty well. Ian Book is good. Ian Book is a good college quarterback, and I feel confident in saying that. Against I'm not teams, I would believe in him. Yeah, I'm not counting out Ian Book. Um, I've, I've put a lot of faith into him, and I think he's hopefully going to put up good numbers Saturday. Wish I could watch it. <laughs> Understandable. So, That's what it is. Have to make yeah. that money some. <laughs> we all got to hustle. We all yeah. got to hustle. I have, I have to put gas in my car at some point. So, I mean, I need money to do that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. If they get into the playoff, what do you expect? Obviously, there's a lot of caveats depending on who you play. If you play Alabama 4-1, it's a lot different than playing Ohio State 2-3. Yeah, yeah, two, yeah, two, three. Or imagine they had to play Clemson a third time and like you know three in a three week period, that kind of thing, which is very real and could happen. Yeah, um, I want. I still think Clemson could make the playoff even with a loss this upcoming Saturday. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, they're Clemson. You know, the committee loves Clemson. <laughs> mm-hmm. But. Really, yeah, it just depends on who Notre Dame gets in their matchup. Um, I would have I would have much more confidence in an Ohio State mm-hmm. matchup. That's what I was going to say, is that of the four teams that are in playoff spots right now, I think Notre Dame would have the best chance against Ohio State because Ohio State's defense isn't particularly good. And when you put fields under pressure, you can – make his life a little difficult and he does make mistakes and this no the thing that's different about this Notre Dame team as opposed to ones of years past is they're really good at the line of scrimmage both on offense and defense where they can really run the ball Kyron Williams is a good running back and they've got a decent defensive line they've got strong linebackers they've got good box play I like what Notre Dame does at the line of scrimmage and it's what's made them better this year and I think against Ohio State that would work well I honestly think Alabama's winning the national title. I don't think anyone can beat Alabama. Anyone. I don't think Clemson could. I don't think Ohio State could. A&M, Florida, whoever. I don't think anyone's beating Alabama. But for in Notre Dame's case, I think their best chance would be to play Ohio State. Yeah. Um, the Honestly, the last thing I want is to be embarrassed on national TV by, by Alabama again. It's tough. It's hard. No it was- one else is Alabama. No, I know. And just how can you compete with a program like Alabama? How do you compete with Nick Saban? It's one of the you really things, don't. It's one of the things I keep bringing up with all of my guests on this show is that we've got to find a way to make the playoff format more competitive because it's just so hard for, you know, everyone that isn't Alabama to compete for a national championship or Clemson in the last few years, Ohio State as well. We got to find a way mm-hmm. to put more variance into the playoff where we could see something yeah. like, I don't know, Cincinnati beats Ohio State if there are eight teams and causes a little monkey wrench. Or, I don't know, put Coastal Carolina in there. I don't care. I just want to see someone other than Alabama. That, that's ma- mostly what it comes to. Yeah, I support um, an eight-team playoff. I just think four, team, like four teams you don't really um... – I don't know how to word it. It's just, I don't think four teams is like enough to be considered like a real playoff, you know? Mm-hmm. There's sense. not enough variance. You can't get yeah. enough random outcomes. Cause you know, yeah. two wins, that's it. 
And I really like upsets, and then you don't get a lot of upsets if there's just four teams. There hasn't been one in a while in the playoff. It, it just – it rarely – the last one – well, actually, no. That was like – that was like seven years ago, the one I was thinking of, where Ohio State upset Alabama, and then they won the national title. That was a long time ago. I was still in high school. That got him old. Um, So the last thing I wanted to get to, I'm going to – before we sign off, we're – have a little fun, get to talk about other stuff we work on. Who is the Bears quarterback next year, week one? That's my only question I have for you before I let you go back to being, you know, an adult. Um, I really like Zach Wilson. Bears fans really like Zach Wilson too. So that's, that's who I'm going with. I would very much, I, there was a part of me that wanted the Giants to finish with like the third or fifth overall pick to take Zach Wilson because He's just so fun to watch play football, and he's very explosive. He's got a strong arm. Mm-hmm. Very fun to watch, and I, Daniel Jones is not very fun to watch, but another story another day. I won't bore you with my Giants misery. don't like Danny Dimes. <laughs> I do not like Danny Dimes. I'm not very convinced. I'll be honest with you. He's basically oh. um, a bigger Mitch. He's very big. He can run. He's not very accurate, but they've managed to string together some wins. I'm not going to talk to you about QB problems because you are, you and the Browns are the only people who get to complain about quarterbacks. It's just you two. That's it. It's hard. It's really hard being a Bears fan. (laughs) Maddie, where can the people find your Twitter and what other stuff do you do? Um, Okay. So people can find me on Twitter. It's at Kyle Hendricks. But the L in Kyle is an I. And then also I am a co-host on the Basically Baseball podcast. That's linked in my bio if you find me on Twitter. And then I also do stuff with this podcast called Let the Kids Talk from Time to Time. And so doing both of those is awesome. Um, I love doing Basically Baseball. What we do, we are um, just a group of women wanting to go into sports. And we just thought it would be a good experience for us to get together and start our own podcast and just um I talk about baseball all the time anyway and so actually doing it like kind of for an audience it's cool it's cool I love it so yeah you can check those out they're linked in my bio and then um I want to mention next year I'm going to be going to the University of Kansas to major in journalism with a sports media concentration so I'm really excited to do that see where my future takes me but yeah that's all I do once we have an idea of what shape the Cubs are going are in going into next season, I will definitely be having you back so you can either cry or brag that you guys executed a rebuild in three months. Yeah, I'm just I'm waiting to see what waiting to see what Jed's gonna do. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna let you end the podcast on this note. Are you optimistic or pessimistic about the Cubs going into next year? Um. It depends. I mean, it really depends on what we do this off season. Mm-hmm. It depends on um, what we do with Chris Bryant. It depends on what we add to our rotation. So that's just that's what I'm waiting for. And then with the winter meetings coming up, I'll have I'll have a little more of an answer. But I'm not I'm not too hopeful, honestly. Um, I know we need a rebuild and I know that I think there's just a lot of guys that need to be put on the chopping block. I've mentioned that on my own podcast a couple of times. So 
yeah, I'm really just waiting to see what Jed ends up doing here in the next upcoming weeks. And then we go from there. Okay. It was so much fun to talk about Notre Dame football because, you know, it helps to tell these stories through the lenses of the people who care about them most. And that's what this entire podcast is all about, is letting people talk about what they love that drives us all insane. And for Maddie, it's Notre Dame football because they've been kind of torturous this decade. But I'm very glad they put finally put together a very solid team that has a outside chance at making it to the national championship game. We had a very fun time recording this podcast. I hope everyone enjoys the slate of football. Got to remind everyone, the seasons are starting to wind down. We've only got a couple more weeks of college football, uh, only a couple more weeks of the NFL. Enjoy every last minute of it because it is going to be a long, long off season. I will see you guys on Monday for a recap of the weekend of college and NFL. And then next week, I've got a very, very fun slate. We're looking at the first NBA edition of the podcast, which will drop on Wednesday. And then Friday, I found someone to come talk about Rutgers football and how Greg Schiano has made the Scarlet Knights actually competitive again. I will see you guys next week. Enjoy the football.